I remember the first time I went to, I, when I first came to this nation 20-some years ago, you know, I always tell this story because it's, it's one of the simplest ones for me to tell. And I, I was to, they wanted me to perform a wedding. This One of my students was a lady from the south, a lady from the south of France. So her, she was marrying a guy from Scotland, but the wedding was going to take place there in Cannes, right on the French Riviera. I'd never been there. You know, I was just come to, I've only been over here from America about the first year that I was in England. So for me to go over there was an incredible thing because, you know, in America, you know, only rich people travel to Europe. I mean, nobody goes to, to Europe but rich people. So for me, an ex-heroin addict had been out of prison to see what God has done in my life and find myself standing on the French Riviera, <laughs> that was a trip. But anyhow, on the two days that we had free, my host took me down this little road right there on the Riviera, and he said, I want to take you to a French patisserie. Now, you know, in England, they've got patisseries with beautiful sweets and cakes, but no offense, England, they taste like a bunch of, I mean, all I know is compared to French pastries, let's face it, whatever you think about France, they know how to cook. And I mean, you know, in England, you'll get these pastries and you'll put them in your mouth and you go, and they're so dry. But this guy took me into this place and bought me my very first almond croissant. This thing was hot. All I'm, I don't want to take all night with it. I, I took a bite of this thing, and I went, <gasps> I mean, it was, it was the end of the conversation. It just, I don't know how they can make something taste that good. But what I'm trying to say is, I, you know, it was good. <laughs> it was good. The next day, we're driving down the road towards Nice, and, you know, this patisserie is about three blocks that way, and it's on like a little motorway, and you have to take this one off-ramp, you know, exit to get and you'd have to drive this way. My flesh knew that thing was over there. We're driving, and it's just like all, all the way, three blocks away, I heard this, you know, I mean, there was this, my flesh was responding to something that it had experienced before. It wasn't me, but it was my flesh. Now, that's a funny thing, but you know, this is why when I've worked with young men and young women, it gets real serious. I've had to talk to young men about the fact that, you know, your flesh will respond to an outside stimulus. A man can't help but notice an attractive woman. And most women, if they're honest, they'll, they'll notice some attractive guy. So all of you ladies don't look all holy at me. You know what I mean? You'll see a guy and you'll go, hmm. <laughs> but, that, but you see, in the world's way of thinking, if you, like all these young men I work with, this is the situation. They'll see like an attractive lady and they'll think about, hmm, she's really good looking. And instantly, if they're a Christian, they'll go, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm guilty, I'm lusting. And they'll think that just because they're being attracted to somebody, that they're already sinning, as it were. You have to hear me. The Bible says Jesus Christ himself was tempted. This is important. You need to hear this. Jesus Christ, it says, was tempted. The word means to be tempted, tested, or tried. Jesus Christ was tempted, tested, and tried in all areas as were we. Do you understand that? Do you believe the Bible? Do you really? That means if you've been tempted with it, he was tempted with it. <laughs> Listen. But it says, yet he was without sin. Did you hear that? Listen. So then temptation in and of itself isn't sin. You hear me? You see, that set me free years ago. Because I used to think if I was even tempted, oh man, I'm a dog. 
I'm a horrible, horrible person. I mean, how, I mean, I'm being tempted to go this. I'm thinking, I'm, but you see, the Bible says, lust having conceived bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. There's a conception period that takes place before temptation actually graduates and becomes sin. But if you're honest, when you're tempted, you already think you've sinned because you already feel guilty, don't you? Anybody here going to be honest? You know what I mean? You already feel guilty. There's already a sense of condemnation because I've been tempted. See, this is what I mean. You're sin conscious. You're far more sin conscious than you are righteousness conscious because you've been taught all your life, sin, 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 don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, this list, this list, until, again, you are always offering sacrifices every day of your life. Father, forgive me. 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 One of these days, you'll learn that you need to ask God to forgive you for asking forgiveness all the time. Now, I'm going to say something real shocking to you. When you begin to really understand the grace of God, you can, listen to me, this upsets religious people, you actually can get to the place where you are able to go for weeks on end without sinning. You find that hard to believe? I'm not contradicting what I said earlier. Because you become so righteousness conscious it obliterates the attraction to sin that even causes you to undergo this thing called temptation. In other words, it begins to break its power. It's like a magnetic force that begins to be broken. Now that is good news. Somebody say that's good news. I hope you believe me. I'm not just saying this just to say it. It's the truth. Now again, point two I've got down here, constant probing of things done in the past can cause a return to them. Now look at this verse in Hebrews 11.5. When I used to minister in all the prisons when I was in America before I came to England, after I got out of prison, when I got saved, and because of my blood and God's testimony, you know, I, I was asked to minister in a lot of prisons and to share my testimony and stuff like this. And this is one of the most important lessons I used to try to teach these men and women in prison. But listen to this verse. In Hebrews 11.15, taking it out of context here, but it says this in the Amplified. If they, I'm not going to read the whole, te- the whole bit of it, but I just want you to catch this. If they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. Now listen to the truth that's spoken in that. If you constantly think about something, if you're constantly meditating on something that you used to do, you are creating a constant opportunity to return to it. You hear that? So when I would work with these young men and stuff, and that were like, even when I was a, came out and I worked at Teen Challenge, the ministry that where I got saved, I'd have to, I'd talk to these guys and I'd say, you need to quit talking about all the drugs you used to use. You need to quit talking about how much fun it was to sleep around. You need to quit talking about all that stuff that you used to do, because if you keep talking about it, you continually create the opportunity to return to it. So I, t- you know, I just said, you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> you need to shut up and start talking the things of God. 
Look forward, don't look backward. Look forward, don't look backward. Well, to me, that's an incredibly important issue there to catch a hold of that.